0: Well, I can't hardly believe that it's already December. It just seems like this year has gone so quick. I probably say that every year, but it just seems like this year it's gone that way even more so. But, uh, but I love this time of year and uh, hope that uh, you can join in all the things, check out your bulletin, check out some ways that you can be uh, just a, a, a light to people, a, a blessing to people during this time. This is a While this is for a lot of people a time of joy and a time of happiness and a time of excitement and uh, especially for our young people, um, it's also a time of um, sadness and and uh, discouragement and uh, all that kind of stuff. And it's uh, so we we uh, certainly um, want to be a blessing in the lives of people during this time of year, right? So I want to share some passages of Scripture, and you can look at these. Typically, I'd like, uh, like you to be able to, to look at that in your Bibles, and we're looking at a typical passage or something. But today, I just uh, invite you to look at the screen. You're, you're certainly welcome to look, look for them if you want to, but uh, we're, we're going to go quick on some of these. Some of them you will know and recognize. Probably all of them you will. But uh, the first one is John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Acts chapter 4, in verse 12, it says, uh, uh, Luke records this. He says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to man by which we must be saved. And then 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time, and then maybe a favorite of ours, John three sixteen. We all know that, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You know, I was thinking about this. Uh, I, I, do, I, I think about this quite often, but um, I don't know why. But I, I think about my childhood and some of the things that that took place when I was a child, and um, typically when I think back to them, I think of a number of things. I think of trips to my grandparents' cottage. I think of of trips to my grandparents', uh, and actually, we uh, we used to live in uh, the UP. We used to live in Kingsford, Michigan, and and I was pretty young when we did when we were there, and uh, but we all kind of would our family would pile into the family station wagon and we'd drive all the way from Kingsford 500 miles to get to my my grandparents uh place um uh in northern Minnesota and spend that that time for the holidays with them and uh you know I think about those trips quite often actually you think about 500 miles today versus 500 miles then it doesn't take it probably takes the same amount of time it just seems different doesn't it mm-hmm. so uh, to to travel um we didn't travel much if you thought you had to go 500 miles back then. Um, now, we, now we do. Um, we, at least I know our family does. We're just constantly, it uh, uh, seems like we're going someplace all the time. But it's nothing for us to drive 500 miles. But anyway, I was—I just—I always just think, you know. I mean, at the time, as a boy, I looked up to my dad. I'm just thinking, how can he do all of this? I mean, you had to—he had to navigate all these back roads and get, in order to get where, where we needed to go. And I said, you know, there's a lot of towns that you have to go through. There's a lot of highways you got to turn onto. There's a lot of places that you got to navigate your way through. And I always thought to myself back then, you know, how does he know? The turn, the, which roads to turn on? How does he know that? How come he never got, got lost? And, and and eventually, of course, as I've grown up, I've I learned my dad's secret, and that's because, well, he he had road maps. He had ways to uh, to to be able to or maps to look at and, and to to navigate through those and to, to to see where those are. And and of course, uh, well, yesterday I went to Nielsville. I'd never been to Nielsville before, with a and I was went there with a big bus and 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 I, you know, I made the same discovery that my dad did. You know, you got of course today we don't have we don't have road maps, we don't use road maps. We use one of these, right? Um, although the, the dispatcher did put out some some printouts of the maps anyway. Um, but you know, one of the things that I've I think about is that when when we've traveled. Uh, one of the things I've discovered, and I think you've maybe seen that same thing, is that there are so many different ways that you can actually get to get to get to where you need to go. Right? There's a lot of different ways you can do that. If we're going up to Christian Harbor Youth Camp and we're bringing the kids up there, um, you know, there's there's a couple different routes we could go. One one may way may arguably be better, and, but you know, there's other ways that are eventful. I mean, we. When we're heading up north or sometimes uh, to, to my mom to see my mom, I mean sometimes we just decide you know what let's take a different route that's a little bit more scenic. Highway 90 is boring you know you know what I'm saying I mean when you get on 90 and all you see is just corn you know all that, it it's just can be boring so sometimes it's nice to be able to go through some of those little little towns and I love going through little towns but in other words, sometimes there's different ways that you can get to different places. Some ways might be arguably the best, but there's many routes that one can take. And I think that sometimes we apply that principle to religion. And there are people who honestly believe that there are many ways to come to know God and to be given His free gift of eternal life. And some may say, or they may think, that there are routes to God that are better than others but they still believe that there are many different ways to get there. And, uh, of course, that isn't true. It's not what the Bible teaches us, uh, as we, we can see from the text that we just read earlier. And I think that in a real, very real sense, the Bible is that clearly marked road map that God has provided to guide us to live with Him for all of eternity. And throughout the pages of this heavenly Um, roadmap, we we learn that God showed His love for the world by sending His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, as the only way to salvation. Well, this morning, we're going to begin a a sermon series. Uh, um, This is really going to deal with some of the questions, four questions actually, that the Christmas story answers. And the first question of whether or not there are many paths or there are many roads to God is one, I think, that the Christmas story settles once and for all. Um, because I think if as we look at this story, uh, which began the first Christmas morning, it continued throughout the first Easter morning, by the way, right? Um, we find that Jesus is, in fact, the only path to God, the only way to have our sins forgiven and to enjoy that personal walk with God. But, you know, I... To make such a fundamental, to, to make such a statement as that, it doesn't make everyone happy. It ruffles a few feathers. He, uh, he, there's even Christians that get a little uh, bent out of shape over that, that idea that Jesus could be the only way to God. And, and the reason being is that we live in a world where there just seems to be endless options in almost every arena in life. Have you noticed that? There's every, there's just a, uh, People expect there to be options in this arena as well, right? But Jesus was willing to uh, was telling the truth when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and he said that. See, he didn't say that out of arrogance. He, didn't, he said that out of compassion. I mean, you think about that. We would be cold not to tell people of this vital truth. So why is is it that this claim is so controversial? Why is it so politically incorrect today to see that Jesus is the only, or to say that Jesus is the only way to God? Um, Lee Strobel, uh, fellow who uh, used to be a devout atheist, uh, he he is now a, a growing Christian. One uh, used to teach, uh, went on to actually teach at Willow Creek, Creek uh, Community Church in Chicago. I I haven't found uh, where he's at now. I know that he's went in a number of different places, but if you know what Willow Creek is, it's one of the largest churches in in, uh, the United States. Uh, Strobel answers three questions, uh, or answers some questions by pointing out that the unique character and the life of Jesus strikes at the very core of three very popular myths about religion. And as we enter this season, as we enter a Christmas season, I want to just kind of, I want to look at these. I want to bury these myths, or I want to bury these misconceptions together, because in so doing, I think that we will see how Christmas answers that question: Are there many paths to God? So, uh, so we're going to look at those myths this morning. And the first myth is that all religions are the same. That's the, that's I think one of the first myths that we see: all religions are the same. Many people today are upset by the claim that Jesus is the only way to God because they believe that all religions are basically identical, that all spiritual paths lead up to the same mountain, so to speak, right? They say that, that, through the, uh, that though there are some minor differences between the various world religions, when they're all stripped down, down to the very essentials, all faith systems basically teach the same thing. That's what people would say. So, so they say it doesn't matter which faith you follow. And, and Christians should, should agree, of course, that, that there is some common ground that we share with some other religions, especially when you look at the teachings, uh, some of uh, the basic morality issues. And yet at the same time, there are some drastic differences between Christianity and other, faiths, other faith systems that, that certainly cannot be overlooked. As C.S. Lewis pointed out, one major difference is that unlike other religions, Christianity proclaims a gospel of grace and not works. Let that sink in. Christianity uh, proclaims a gospel of grace and not works. Every other religion is based upon people doing something, where somehow you have to earn God's favor. Some faiths teach that the people have to go on pilgrimages, and or they have to give alms to the poor. Or they have to avoid eating certain foods, or, or perform a certain number of speci- unspecified good deeds, or or to have uh, they have to pray at a certain time, or in a certain position, or or they have to go through a cycle of reincarnations, or you know, I mean, whatever it is. Other religious systems are essentially do-it-yourself systems. Follow a certain system and you stand a good chance of gaining favor with God and eventually achieving salvation. It's, it's just an attempt, it's an attempt to reach out to God and to be good enough. But Christianity teaches us that in Jesus Christ that God is reaching out to us. That is awesome. The Bible says that God's gift of salvation through Jesus Christ was God-given, it was God-driven, it was God-empowered, it was God-originated it's a gift that isn't from man to God through our efforts. It's from God to man. Think about 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. L- listen to what it says. This is love, not that we loved Him or that we loved God, but that He loved us and He sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And on the basis of that point alone, I think Christianity is set apart from any other religion in the world. No other system. No other religion proclaims that free forgiveness, that new life to those who have done nothing to to deserve it and, in fact, deserve judgment instead. John MacArthur um, uh, writes this. He says, As far as the way of salvation is concerned, there are only two religions the world has ever known or will ever know, the religion of divine accomplishment, which is biblical Christianity, and the religion of human achievement, which includes all other kinds of religion by whatever name they may go under. So this truth can be seen by comparing, I think, maybe a a parable that was taught by Jesus with a similar um, story found in in Buddhist literature. Uh, Both stories involve sons who became rebellious and they all left home in some sort of a huff and and, but later they, they uh, saw the error of their ways and they decided to return home and to be reconciled with their families. But it's the ending of those stories that so clearly points out the differences between Christianity and other belief systems. In the Buddhist story, the rebellious son is required to work off the penalty for his bad behavior by working as a slave. But the Christian parable of the prodigal son ends with the repentant son being warmly welcomed home by a loving father who showers him with undeserved forgiveness and grace. You see, graceless religions are due religions, where you have to constantly be doing something to even hope to earn your salvation. But Christianity, well, we know this. It's a done religion, right? It is based on what Jesus Christ has done for us in dying on, on Calvary's cross. Do you remember what Jesus said from the cross as he hung up there on the cross? He said what? Three words. It is finished. It is finished. Jesus' death and his resurrection did all that needed to be done. And the message of due religions is, is, is incompatible with that, with the message of a done religion, Right? Um, both of them couldn't come, possibly come from the same God. I, uh, Strobel uh, talks about that. He puts it this way. He said, It'd be unlikely that a God who embodies love and truth would go to one side of the planet and say, let me tell you how you can become reconciled with me. And then go to another spot on the globe and, and tell them something completely contradictory. Um, and then, yet, a third go to a tell a third population something totally new. I mean, that wouldn't make sense, right? It makes much more sense that God would act according to his nature as the author of all truth and provide one path for us to follow. And in fact, that's what he did when he sent Jesus to enter human history. So, contrary to the popular myth. All religions are not the same. Uh, the, the second myth I, it goes something like this. I always like, I always think this sounds kind of funny. Um, it it's, it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. How many of you have ever heard that before? Never heard? As long as I'm sincere, it doesn't matter what you believe. Um, it's the belief that Christianity is just one valid religion among many. It's the belief that says, you have your truth, I have mine, right? And this myth is popular today because it reflects the attitude of our society that says we need to be tolerant of other faiths. And in fact, I think in some sense we really should be tolerant of people who believe differently than, than we do. Think about what this says. 1 Peter 3.15 says, I always be prepared to give an answer to to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. I think that we I think that tolerance is a good thing. It can be can be a good thing. It can be a biblical concept. And and we do live in America where our system of government equally protects people of different religious viewpoints. And yet, think about it just because different religious viewpoints are equally protected, that doesn't mean that they're equally true. There's a saying that goes something like this. I like this saying, by the way. If a million people believe a ridiculous thing is true, it's still a ridiculous thing. <laughs> right? <laughs> Strobo tells of the Chicago newspaper columnist Mike Roykel who wrote one of his uh, classic newspaper satires in which he said that he was a member. This is a good story. He said that he was a member of, of what he called the Church of Asylumism. And he explained that this church believes that there was an advanced civilization that, that lived in a distant galaxy millions of years ago. And so one, one day, a, hundred, a few hundred of these aliens ate some tainted veggie dip, and as a result, a virus hopelessly scrambled their brains and they tried, to treat these, they tried to treat these victims, but nothing would work. And so they decided to take them to an uninhabited planet that would serve as that asylum and where they would roam free and act as goofy as they like. And guess where that planet was? Earth. <laughs> so here's what he wrote. He said, we're all descendants of these aliens. You want proof? Read history books, look at the newspapers, watch the TV news, then tell me this isn't one big loony bin. <laughs> now, of course, he was kidding with all that church of asylumism and stuff. But, but in this country, we do have the right to believe. Uh, people have the right to believe what they want. And if there was a church of asylumism, it would be protected, right? It would be protected, um, as is New Life Christian Church, we are protected, um, but that wouldn't mean that the teachings of asylum of the Church of Asylumism were valid. Uh, sincerely believing something doesn't make it true. Is, is you know, if you ever, I mean, you think about it this way. If you've ever picked up, I don't. Know, I hope none of you have done this, but you've heard <laughs> about it, I guess. But. If anyone's, there, any, think about people who maybe picked out the wrong bottle of medicine out of the medicine cabinet, you know, in the dark, and anyone that's done that, they can, they know. I mean, you could sincerely believe uh, that that's the right bottle of medicine, and and it doesn't matter. Uh, you, you can you can sincerely believe that a rock is a tree, all that you want, but that rock would not cease to be a rock. Uh, faith, no matter how sincere it is, is is no more valid than the object of which it believes in. Believing something is true doesn't make it any more true than failing to believe something that is true makes it false. Facts are facts, regardless of people's attitudes towards them. So what are the facts when it comes to the object of our Christian faith? Glad that you asked. What is... What is the truth when it comes to Jesus Christ, who claimed to be our only path to God? Well, the reality is that Jesus was unique in the claims that He made about Himself. Only Jesus claimed to be God and then proved that, that, that claim by living that perfect life. Um, all the attributes, attributes of God were seen in Jesus Christ, and Jesus fulfilled every single prophecy of the coming Messiah written hundreds of years before He was born. You know, every one of us has a fingerprint. And whenever you touch something, you leave behind some residue of that print, right? There are over 300 prophecies concerning Christ, about the life of Christ in the Old Testament. And when you put them together, they make sort of a, of a fingerprint, that only the true Messiah could perfectly match. Well, Jesus Christ did. He did. We're reminded of these prophecies, I think, at this time of the year. Uh, we're reminded that the prophet Isaiah said that the Messiah, Messiah would be born of a, virg- of a virgin, and He was. Jesus was. The prophet Micah pinpointed the exact place of His birth, Bethlehem. Genesis and Jeremiah specified his ancestry. He would be a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, from the from the tribe of Judah, he would be from the house of David. Jesus was all of these things. The Psalms predicted his betrayal, that, that he would be falsely accused. They even spelled out the kind of death that he would die. The Messiah was to be the was to be pierced in his hands and his feet. So he was to be crucified. All of this was specifically detailed long before the crucifixion, long before crucifixion was even invented. Psalm 16, verse 10, also predicted His resurrection. In His birth, in His life, in His death, in His resurrection, Jesus fulfilled all 300 prophecies of the coming Messiah. He's a perfect match in the same way that that your fingerprint perfectly matches the fingerprint that you left on your communion cups this morning. Of all the people drawn down through the ages who would have lived, only Jesus Christ has fulfilled every prophecy concerning the coming Messiah. Now, what are the odds of that happening? I know I've used this, um, I've mentioned this um, before, maybe in a Bible study or something, but a mathematician by the name of Peter Stoner investigated that very question. But instead of looking at 300 different prophecies, what he did is he asked the question, what are the chances that, that just eight of those prophecies happened by chance? What are the, what are the uh, odds of that? After doing the calculation, he actually concluded that the chances were 1 in 10 to the 17th power. Right? That's a lot of zeros. If you wrote that out, it would look something like this. One in 10 to the 17th power. I think there's 17 or 21 zeros, something like that. 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 17 zeros. For for just eight of those prophecies to come true. Um, If you took that many silver dollars and scattered them across Texas, he, he concluded they would cover the state two feet deep. And then, and then he said, "Well, take one of those dollars, mark it with a red X on it, and throw it in, in at a random uh, into a, some pile of, into that pile of silver do- dollars that's spread across the state, and then blindfold a volunteer, mix it all up, and then blindfold a mo- volunteer, and ask him to find that marked silver dollar on his first try." He said, "That's the same odds that eight predictions about Christ would be fulfilled by chance." Just eight, and yet Jesus fulfilled 300. Pretty exciting. Now add to that the miracles uh, that Jesus performed in front of his skeptics. Add to that the power that he had over sickness and death and even nature. Add to that the greatest miracle of all time, his resurrection from the dead. It was a historical event, event that was seen by more than 500 people, and it sparked a spiritual revolution that has been unparalleled. In all the history of the whole world, Christianity isn't just another religion. It's not just another philosophy. It's a reality. Jesus didn't just claim that he was the one and the the one and only, the one and the only son. Uh, he, Jesus didn't just claim that he was the one and only son. Um, he validated that claim with convincing proof. And so, our belief that he is the only way to God, I think, is well founded. While other religious leaders can offer wise sayings, can offer helpful advice, can offer uh, good insights, only Jesus Christ, because He is the perfect Son of God, is qualified to offer Himself as payment for our wrongdoing. No other religious leader can even pretend to be able to do that. I like uh, this thing here. R.C. Sprawl puts it this way. He says that Moses could meditate on the law, Muhammad could brandish a sword, Buddha could give personal counsel. Confucius could offer wise sayings. But none of these men was qualified to offer an atonement for the sins of the world. I like that quote. As the only Son of God, Jesus alone qualified. So it does matter, doesn't it? It matters which route we take in our spiritual journey. All, of the other, all other routes ultimately are dead ends. Only Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. Only He is those things. A third myth is this. Um, Christians who believe that Jesus is the only way to God, they're just being narrow-minded. You heard that before? They're just being narrow-minded. Um, now, that would be true if there really were many roads to God, and that we were saying that our road was the best. But that's not what Christianity says. The Bible claims that there is only one truth, not many. And the truth is is that all of us have sinned, and, and someone has to pay the penalty for that. And Jesus, as the sinless Son of God, is the only one qualified for that job to be our substitute. You know, oftentimes, um, I got my things mixed up here. I don't know. Um Never had that happen before. Anyway, so there is a first time for everything. I've got multiple endings of this here. Anyway, it's one of those books, and I don't know where all that came from, but that that was probably what it means. That's a good thing, so... But that's kind of, you ever have something where, where you get your, your pages are mixed up, and that didn't, that didn't mix with that, all that other stuff that's going on there. Um, I had a quote, though, that I wanted to share that was really, maybe I have it on there. Do I have it on, on that one here? Um, well, we have that. All of us, all of our rights, I love this. Well, that's, that's a quote from Isaiah. Um, which tells us all of us have become like our one who is unclean and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We, we think about, I guess the thing that I was thinking about was the conditions that we have. We have, we have doctors that give us cures for things we have. We go to plumbers we, to, 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 to cure uh, or to fix our sinks and things. We have a lot of people around us who give uh, advice to us for all different kinds of things. We don't think about going to a dentist to fix our plumbing, do we? Um, we don't think about going to a doctor to to, to fix uh, you know our cars or our automobiles. Somebody was telling me earlier that they had they had something wrong with their car, and um, we don't we don't go to the auto mechanic to fix uh, a problem with our health, right? Unless they happen to be a doctor too, I guess. But the the, the thought of all of that is is that you know in a very spiritual sense. Every single one of us has that terminal illness called sin. And the very reason that we cling to Jesus is, is that we've discovered that He is that great physician, that He has that only cure, that He would try. You know, we could try and we could try to scrub everything, all of our sins uh, away, um, our good deeds. We could try to scrub all of that away. That wouldn't work. Uh, we could sincerely believe that there are other ways of dealing with our sins but we would be sincerely wrong, right? Just, uh, um, but that's, that's what Isaiah said. All of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. And the truth is, is that the only the great physician offers a treatment that will erase the stain of sin. Only he has the credentials to back that up. And so when we turn to him, we're not being narrow-minded. We're, we're, we're simply acting in accordance with the, with the evidence. So this, this uh, first message as we're talking about here, looking at are, are there many paths to God, the answer to that question obviously is, are there many paths to God? No, there's only one. Salvation is found in no one else but Jesus alone. And contrary to all of the myths, all religions are not the same. Sincere belief in something isn't enough. Only Jesus is worthy of our trust and I hope that this Christmas as we as we look at some of these things I think I think we're going to be looking at if I remember right uh, we're gonna be looking at why, the wise men what a wise men really looks like uh, in a couple of weeks're next week we're going to be looking at what it is that God actually does you ever wonder that what does God actually do is he just sitting up there in heaven is he just kind of just uh, you know kind of like a little Computer screen and, and, and kind of moving us like chess men on a chessboard, or what does God actually do in our lives um, so we 're going to look at that next week, and I think that that 'll be fun to look at that. Uh, what does a wise man look like? We talked a little bit about that in Sunday school today, um, but questions that Christmas answers, and I hope that what uh, what eventually that we 'll be able to do this year as we look at this is just to to realize that um, Christmas uh, answers some other questions that we might be asking during this time of year. But let's have a word of prayer and we'll close. And you're right, Carol, it was time to leave. <laughs> so uh, let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for your son Jesus and just for the, the sacrifice that he made. And we, we do look at this and we see that, um, in fact, that there is only one way to, to, to get to, uh, to God the Father. And um, Father, it's not something that you did to, to, um, to uh, make, uh, uh, to be mean or mean-spirited or anything, but just to, um, God, you really love us. And you provided a way that would help us to, to find you. And so, God, we just, we pray that during this season time, um, and uh, as always, um, that, God, that we would cling to Jesus because we recognize that Jesus is, in fact, the reason for this season and for for all of our lives, and he's the hope that we have. And so we just ask that you would uh, guide us now as we um, go about our lives, but also that you would help us to um, share what we know during this Christmas time. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.